once again we sit, once again crowned, and looked upon, I hope, with cheerful eyes. This once again, but that your highness pleased, was once superfluous. You were crowned before, and that high royalty was ne'er plucked off, the faiths of men ne'er stained with revolt. Fresh expectation troubled not the land with any longed-for change or better state. Therefore, to be possessed with double pomp, to guard a title that was rich before, to gild refined gold, to paint the lily, to throw a perfume on the violet, to smooth the ice or add another hue unto the rainbow, or with tapered light to seek the beauteous eye of heaven to garnish, is wasteful and ridiculous excess. But that your royal pleasure must be done, this act is as an ancient tale new told, and in the last repeating, troublesome, being urged at a time unseasonable. In this the antic and well-noted face of plain old form is much disfigured, and like a shifted wind unto a sail, it makes the course of thoughts to fetch about, startles and frights consideration, makes sound opinion sick, and truth suspected for putting on so new a fashioned robe. Mm. When workmen strive to do better than well, they do confound their skill in covetousness, and oftentimes excusing of a fault doth make the fault the worse by the excuse, as patches set upon a little breach discredit more in hiding of the fault than did the fault before it was so patched. To this effect, before you were new crowned, we breathed our counsel but it pleased your highness to overbear it. And we are all well pleased since all and every part of what we would doth make us stand at what your highness will. Some reasons of this double coronation I have possessed you with and think them strong. And more, more strong than lesser is my fear I shall endue you with. Meantime, but ask what you would have reformed that is not well. And well shall you perceive how willingly I will both hear and grant you your requests. Then I, as one that am the tongue of these to sound the purposes of all their hearts, both for myself and them, but chief of all your safety, for the which myself and them bend their best studies, heartily request the enfranchisement of Arthur, whose restraint doth move the murmuring lips of discontent to break into this dangerous argument, if what in rest you have, in right you hold, why then your fears, which, as they say, attend the steps of wrong, should move you to mew up your tender kinsman and to choke his days with barbarous ignorance and deny his youth the rich advantage of good exercise. That the time's enemies may not have this to grace occasions, let it be our suit that you have bid us ask his liberty, which for our goods we do no further ask, than whereupon our weal on you depending counts it your weal he have his liberty. Let it be so. I do commit his youth to your direction. Hubert, what news with you? This is the man should do the bloody deed. He showed his warrant to a friend of mine. The image of a wicked, heinous fault lives in his eye. That close aspect of his does show the mood of a much troubled breast, and I do fearfully believe tis done. What we so feared he had a charge to do. The color of the king doth come and go between his purpose and his conscience. Like heralds twixt two dreadful battles set, his passion is so ripe it needs must break. 
And when it breaks, I fear we'll issue thence the foul corruption of a sweet child's death. We cannot hold mortality's strong hand. Good lords, although my will to give is living, the suit which you demand is gone and dead. He tells us Arthur is deceased tonight. Indeed. We feared his sickness was past cure. Indeed. We heard how near his death he was before the child himself felt he was sick. This must be answered either here or hence. Why do you bend such solemn brows on me? Think you I bear the shears of destiny? Have I commandment on the pulse of life? It is apparent foul play, and tis shame that greatness should so grossly offer it. So thrive it in your game, and so farewell. Stay yet, Lord Salisbury, I'll go with thee, and find the inheritance of this poor child, his little kingdom of a forced grave, that blood which owed the breadth of all this isle, three foot of it doth hold. Bad world the while, this must not be thus born, this will break out to all our sorrows, and ere long, I doubt. They burn in indignation. I repent. There is no sure foundation set on blood. No certain life achieved by others' death. A fearful eye thou hast. Where is that blood that I have seen inhabit in those cheeks? So foul a sky clears not without a storm. Oh, pour down thy weather. How goes all in France? From France to England, never such a power for any foreign preparation was levied in the body of a land. The copy of your speed is learned by them. For when you should be told, they do prepare. The tidings comes that they are all arrived. Oh, where hath our intelligence been drunk? Where hath it slept? Where is my mother's care that such an army should be drawn in France and she not hear of it? My liege, her ear is stopped with dust. The first of April died your noble mother. And as I hear, my lord, the Lady Constance, in a frenzy, died three days before. But this from rumor's tongue I idly heard, if true or false I know not. Withhold thy speed, dreadful occasion. Oh, make a league with me till I have pleased my discontented peers. What? Mother dead? Dead? How wildly then walks my estate in France? Under whose conduct came those powers of France that thou, for truth, givest out are landed here? Under the Dauphin. Thou hast made me giddy with these ill tidings. Now, what says the world to your proceedings? Do not seek to stuff my head with more ill news, for it is full. But if you be afeard to hear the worst, then let the worst unheard fall on your head. Bear with me, cousin, for I, I was amazed under the tide, but... Now I breathe again aloft the flood, and can give audience to any tongue, speak of it what it will. How I have sped among the clergymen, the sums I have collected shall express. But as I traveled hither through the land, I find the people strangely fantasied, possessed with rumors, full of idle dreams, not knowing what they fear, but full of fear. And here's a prophet that I brought with me from forth the streets of Pomfret, whom I found with many hundreds treading on his heels, to whom he sung in rude, harsh-sounding rhymes. 
that ere the next ascension day at noon, your highness should deliver up your crown. Thou idle dreamer, wherefore didst thou so? For knowing that the truth will fall out so. Hubert, away with him, imprison him. And on that day at noon, whereon he says, I shall yield up my crown, let him be hanged. Deliver him to safety, and return, for I must use thee. Oh, my gentle cousin, hearest thou the news abroad? Who are arrived? The French, my lord, men's mouths are full of it. Besides, I met Lord Bigot and Lord Salisbury, with eyes as red as new and kindled fire, and others more, going to seek the grave of Arthur, whom they say is killed tonight on your suggestion. Gentle kinsman, go and thrust thyself into their companies. I have a way to win their loves again. Bring them before me. I will seek them out. Nay, but make haste, the better foot before. Oh, let me have no subject enemies when adverse foreigners affright my towns with dreadful pomp of stout invasion. Be Mercury, set feathers to thy heels, and fly like thought from them to me again. The spirit of the time shall teach me speed. Spoke like a spriteful, noble gentleman. Go after him, for he perhaps shall need some messenger betwixt me and the peers, and be thou he. With all my heart, my liege. My mother dead. My lord. They say five moons were seen tonight. Four fixed, and the fifth did whirl about the other four in wondrous motion. Five moons? Old men and beldams in the street do prophesy upon it dangerously. Young Arthur's death is common in their mouths. And when they talk of him, they shake their heads, and they whisper in one another in the ear. And he that speaks doth gripe the hearer's wrist, whilst he that hears makes fearful action with wrinkled brow, with nods, with rolling eyes. I saw Smith stand with his hammer thus, whilst his iron did on the anvil cool, with open mouth swallowing a tailor's news, who with his shears and measure in his hand, standing on slippers which his nimble haste had falsely thrust upon contrary feet, told of the many thousand warlike French that were embattled and ranked in Kent. Another lean, unwashed artificer cuts off his tail and talks of Arthur's death. Why seekst thou to possess me with these fears? Why urgest thou so oft young Arthur's death? Thy hand hath murdered him. I, I had a mighty cause to wish him dead, but thou hadst none to kill him. No, had, my lord. Why did you not provoke me? It is the curse of kings to be attended by knaves that take their humors for a warrant to break within the bloody house of life and on the winking of authority to understand a law, to know the meaning of dangerous majesty when perchance it frowns more upon humor than advised respect. Here is your hand and seal for what I did. Oh, when the last account twixt heaven and earth is to be made, then shall this hand and seal witness against us to damnation. How oft the sight of means to do ill deeds makes deeds ill done. Hadst thou not been by, a fellow by the hand of nature marked, quoted, and signed to do a deed of shame, this murder had not come into my mind. But taking note of thy abhorred aspect, finding thee fit for bloody villainy, apt, liable to be employed in danger, I faintly broke with thee of Arthur's death, and thou to be endeared to a king, made it no conscience to destroy a prince. 
my lord. Hadst thou but shook thy head, or made a pause when I spake darkly what I purposed, or turned an eye of doubt upon my face, as, as bid me tell my tale and express words, deep shame had struck me dumb, made me break off, and those thy fears might have wrought fears in me. But thou didst understand me by my signs, and didst in signs again parlay with sin. Yea, without stop didst let thy heart consent, and consequently thy rude hand to act the deed, which both our tongues held vile to name, out of my sight, and never see me more. My nobles leave me, and my state is braved, even at my gates with ranks of foreign powers. Nay, in the body of this fleshly land, this kingdom, this confine of blood and breath, hostility and civil tumult reigns between my conscience and my cousin's death. Arm you against your other enemies. I'll make a peace between your soul and you. Young Arthur is alive. This hand of mine is yet a maiden and an innocent hand, not painted with the crimson spots of blood. Within this bosom never entered yet the dreadful motion of a murderous thought. You have slandered nature in my form, which howsoever rude exteriorly is yet the cover of a fairer mind than to be a butcher of an innocent child. Doth Arthur live? Oh, haste thee to the peers. Throw this report on their incensed rage and make them tame to their obedience. Forgive the comment that my passion made upon thy feature. For my rage was blind, and foul, imaginary eyes of blood presented thee more hideous than thou art. <laughs> oh, answer not, but to my closet, bring the angry lords with all expedient haste. I conjure thee, but slowly, run, more fast! 